hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com drink. That's rosettastone.com drink. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc.com slash drink. Yeah. Happy October. October. I don't know what wow. day in October, but I think this comes out in October. I mean, we're in September. It's not like we're far away from October right now. But I think this is broaching into Halloween season, this episode. That makes sense to me. I'm glad because I don't know that it makes sense to myself. I think I'm on on my way to understanding (laughs) Excellent. That is what I used to say all the time in high school. (laughs) I think I am on my way. That's actually a really diplomatic way of being like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I'm on my way to greater understanding. To your level of... Have I crossed the finish line? Absolutely not. I don't know. I don't think I'm at. I think I accidentally created a bootleg finish line. Wait a minute. Somewhere far away, and you got off course, and now uh-huh. we're just kind of in the woods. Yeah, I was by by finish line. I mean the one that we created in like an industrial we park. We just drew that's it far away from the marathon with chalk and got mm-hmm. lost. Anyway, welcome to our show. It's called, and that's why we drink. It's about ghosts and murder oh. and all our inadequacies. Oh. So, <laughs> speaking of inadequacies i have um <clears throat> two things i would like to say both about my own inadequacies Con- congratulations okay one i decided that i was also going to do the myers-briggs test again because i <gasps> haven't done it in a while yeah and if you listen to one of our last episodes was, i think the last one you said you were infp turbulent T. yeah i did it because i'm always kind of like 
on the fence. I'm like apparently a perfect ambivert. And so every time I do the test, I'm either INFP or ENFP. It depends on like your week that week. Yeah. yeah. Today I'm ENFP. Okay. Turbulent. Turbulent. No way. I like how I'm so shocked. Also, are you calling me inadequate? No, I'm calling myself inadequate. Well, maybe both of us yeah, at the yeah. same time. I think you just took me with you on that ride. I never knew turbulent was like part of the, the deal here, but apparently that's it's me. The funny thing was I read because my mom was like, I'm assert. She took it too and got assertive. And I read them. It was like, what's the difference? And turbulent was all negative. Like there was nothing like, <laughs> but also turbulent people have this benefit. It's like, no, you're just kind of. I mean, I've never heard turbulent used pro- in a, like a positive way. Yeah, so it, it checks kind out. of has a connotation to it. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, well, welcome, sort of. I mean, you, maybe you're a little more talkative than well, I am sometimes. Maybe because I today, apparently I am uh, 65 extrovert 35 introvert really yeah. oh i didn't look at the numbers but mine was pretty high i think people I'm, think i'm an extrovert but or maybe they don't i think it's because we're good at talking and so that like gives away like alludes that like we're very like yeah we're open to being social loud um ah. so there's that <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait a minute you're on to something everyone's now. turning the volume down in their car um yeah. Anyway, well, uh, we have a couple of things too. Oh, you had another one, didn't I you? I did. And I wanted to apologize to you because- To I, me? Yes. And I know you're going to tell me that I'm being silly. And I know you're going to tell me that what? I have no reason to be to apologize. But I like lost sleep over last night. What? That, like Because like because of the, the fucking, the comment again that I made yesterday of classy trash. Why? I, like, we've literally okay, had this- con- Okay. We've had this conversation separately outside from the podcast multiple times where I'm just like so into it and and gets mad when I bring it up well I got mad I'm mad at myself I'm not mad at you I'm projecting because no but but, so here's the thing okay so last night I was like I couldn't fall asleep and I was like I can't believe on the radio I literally called her fucking I'm from Ohio like I get it (laughs) well so I decided that I was going I went (laughs) I spent like all night trying to find um what did you do well because I remember I said I was like there's you look like no, there isn't a photo. I tried, oh. though. But I was like, you look like something, and I don't know how to describe it. And then classy trash is what came out of my mouth. And I was like, there's got to be a better way to phrase what the hell I meant. So I did a bunch of, um, I went on a bunch of Vogue magazine what? inserts to, like, figure out what style I was. You made me a vision re- board in your head? In my head, yes. Okay, not so in real I, life. INFPT and? Definitely turbulent. And here's what, what I broke it down to, because there is a list where it's, like, the, t- like the 40 main types of women's style 40 got it so i went through the 40 and i was like okay it's a hybrid of of a couple of these so i nailed it down to i think two and it actually goes well with today like i would still my my first rough draft would say this is also classy trash great but what's rough draft the rough draft and now my second draft i would call it um boho farmhouse or modern cottage core that's what I got it to. So, Cottage core. Yeah. Wow. I like that. I, it's like, because it's like comfy but chic. Yes. Comfy chic, I guess, is really what the final draft oh, is. Oh, well, shit. Maybe you should have just said it out loud. <laughs> um, I like cottage core. It sounds a little scary. Um, it's like if Little House on the Prairie happened today, but like they were kind of like in a city, but like, like they're trendy. They had TikTok or something. Like trendy prairie, yeah. you know. Trendy prairie. We, we like to come up with. Little um, House in the city. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway, that's where we are. Well, thank you. You're I welcome. mean, I loved. Cl- I'm not gonna lie to you. I really liked the rough draft, also. So I, <laughs> I might like boho farmhouse. I feel like that's also kind of working with you. I don't know. You boho t- farmhouse sounds like something you would like and I would like. It sounds like a good combo. Uh-huh. So I feel like 
it fits also. So thank you. So there you go. I wanted to do a corrections well, corner on myself, even though it was not needed. But there you well, go. Well, I appreciate it deeply. And now I have more words to... Now if Blaze ever says, like, what style are you going for? You've got oh, quite a range. Yeah, Blaze asked me most days what style I'm going for that day, especially when we're both at home all days and I wear the same pants every day. And by pants, I mean no pants. So but today you actually brought new pants to the studio. It's because I was wearing pants with a zipper and I went, I don't enjoy this anymore. I don't know why they I did good. this. Thank you. So I bought these joggers and I was at Target and I realized this was coming out in October and I thought Halloween's coming up. So I bought this drink up witches shirt. Um, Looks good. And you really can rock an olive green like none you. other. It's one of my favorite colors. Um, You're lucky it's like in these days. It is. I know because I just looked up all the styles last night. Yeah, I feel a lot. I feel a lot of luck that olive green is in. Mustard. And mustard, another one of my favorite colors, and that one piece swimsuits are back Thank in God. style. I was Isn't not having it, not that. having it with the other situation. <laughs> um, Remember the monokini for a second? Oh boy, that was just trash. That hurts. I think that was classy trash. Chrissy Teigen's the only one that like really pulled that off. Um, so good, good bless. Uh, anyway, well, also happy almost spooky season or happy spooky season. I started decorating my house already. Oh, me too. Yeah, it is looking great. The cockroaches are impressed. Yeah, the cockroaches are loving all like, this. Wow, like, where am I? Fake spider webs mixed with the real <laughs> cockroach nest. Um, and then, oh, I had an update. Um, hmm. a ghosty update. Oh hell yeah! That I wanted to bring up on the show. So, uh, since it's spooky season, um. So something else weird happened because a lot of people ask like, oh, are you still seeing ghosts or whatever? Are you still hearing voices? And I haven't heard voices in a long time. And then uh, like two, it was right after I got home from my last trip. So it was like end of August, I would say a couple weeks ago. Um, I was talking to Blaze about, he was sitting on the Honda sofa, you know, and I, I was talking to Blaze. As you do, where do you sit that isn't haunted <laughs> you in your do. house? Poor Blaze. Uh, and I was talking about the live show and like it turns out the virtual live show, he had turned it off because it scared him too much, which Aww. I thought was like a good sign, kind. right? I yeah. was like, that's a big compliment. So I was talking to him about it and then like out of the corner of my eye, I saw something going down the stairs again and I went, oh, it's Gio. And then Blaze was like, up. look, and I turned around and Gio was over there and I was like, and he's like, Christine, I don't want to hear this. Like, don't say this to me. Because it was right above his head. And I remember went, okay. We, remember when we started the show and he was a skeptic? Yeah, he's not having it anymore, especially in his own house now. Um, and so then I heard I heard footsteps upstairs and I was like, okay, it's got to be the cat because my cat stomps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got big ass feet. Certainly was not the cat either because he was also downstairs. So we were like, well, this is fun for us. And then that night uh, I woke up like it was, this does not happen often because, you know, you and I both have sleep troubles, but I like woke up like in with like startled in awake panic. yeah and i woke up um and i was just like wide awake and everything was like silent and then all of a sudden like a few my heart was racing then a few seconds later um every like phone and uh electronic in- device in our room like pinged like it was being plugged in and i realized like the power had just like shut off and turned back on like everything lit up and pinged all at once that was plugged in all the alarm clock whatever uh-huh. we don't have an alarm clock i'm not like 100 but okay. you know what i mean uh <laughs> and so everything like the ipad and the our phones went like the plug-in noise and i was like what the hell so i was like oh the power must have like gone out for some reason and then i went to my like adt security app and it was like no no cut to power like no issue with the so power something is fucking with your in our room now. and it was such an incredible energetic surge that it also woke you up it woke me up before it happened which really freaked me out so i was so like i wanted you to see i it. don't yeah it was uncomfortable at best and then so i'm like lying there and i'm like i just need to go back to bed and i like 
all of a sudden I heard the stomping and it was Junie this time. And he walked in and he like, I don't know, he has never done this before, but he walks in, jumps on the bed, walks directly up to my face and just like stares, stares into my eyes. And He's I was like, bitch, I know. This? I know. And I was like frozen because I was like, hi, Juniper, like, can I help you? I don't know what you're doing. And he just kind of breathed. Like I could feel him breathing. He was that close to my face. And then he just stood back up, walked out the door and I just like went back to bed, but it was like the most unsettling. He got in your face being like, you better fucking fix this. Yeah, he was I like, what have you it. done? Um, anyway, <laughs> it was just very unsettling and it all happened in like a three hour period. And I was like, this something, it was when I was saying, oh, I haven't had anything creepy happen in a long time. And yeah, and the ghost was like, okay. <sighs> anyway, so that's my little update. The thing with the everything turning off and on at once after I woke up with a start was really unsettling. And then Juniper was like watching. It was very creepy. Anyway. Well, there's our weekly reminder that I'm story. never flying to Ohio. Okay. <laughs> well, we have one last update that's very important. Oh, oops. Uh, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to totally take that away from oh, you. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah, take it away. No, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. It is that we finally did our gift videos, as we were saying, and we opened the big gift that we mentioned that a bunch of people apparently uh, got together and gave us a gift, the patron yeah, group. Yeah, Eva apparently knew... Okay, Eva also super downplayed it, but maybe they also downplayed it to her. Yeah. I don't think any of us knew what was going on. But basically, we haven't been able to open our gifts, or we've also been lazy. And in the last two times you were here, we said we would do it and then didn't. But our we've had a lot of gifts since quarantine began right. um, that we needed to open. And so we decided to like do like a, a series of videos where we opened up a bunch of them. And in, in the very last video we did, which you can see all these if you're a, a patron. Right. Oh, we got a wooden dildo. We two. got a wo- we got two wooden dildos. Thank yeah. God. Thank finally. It's been it's about have, time. I finally have seen it all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and was like, "What is this?" I was like, "Hello, it's a wooden dildo. Don't you remember?" <laughs> Someone like in their own like wood shop made us. They smell great. Just, we have a lot of we have a lot saying. of gifts of uh, Christine rubbing them all over her face. A lot of pictures <laughs> of it. Yeah. Just because it smelled good. Um, but so. Uh, at the in the last video that we did was our final gift that we opened. Apparently, a lot of people in the Patreon Facebook group have been uh, like getting together and arranging this big birthday gift yeah. for us that Eva was kind of in on. And Eva said like, "Oh well, they're just so you know, like one of the bigger packages is going to be from like a group. a group of people." And so when I heard group, I assumed like a couple people like group chat, like a friend group or something. Yeah, like they like. You know, I didn't think it was as many as it was, but we opened this gift and the first thing we saw was this card where it was like 200 people had all gotten together. Yes. Unbelievable. And not only gotten us some amazing gifts, which we're about to discuss, but on top of the wonderful gifts that we got, they also all together donated $1,000 to three different charities. Yeah, to Black Lives Matter, the Bail Project, and and the Cincinnati Cincinnati Bail Bail Fund. And I, I mean, I started like, she started weeping. I was weeping. I was like really crying, but we also opened it and I was like, what could be in this big box? Like a giant lemon. And we literally pulled out a giant lemon. It was like a, like a, a massive lemon purse. <laughs> yes. It was like a big Kate's, it was a Kate's made lemon purse, which I've already packed in my suitcase as if I'm going anywhere cool and hip and we'll, trendy. We'll but take a picture of it and put it here for so you. So cute. Also, yeah. uh, if you're watching the YouTube, the YouTube, how old am I? <laughs> also, uh, we each got a, if you don't know what crown and paw is, shout out to them. Uh, oh my God. But we each got a little about that. canvas painting of, I got one of Geo. It's his head on Captain America's body. It's like a painting. It looks like an oil it's, painting. It's an oil. It's a wonderful, I should put it, if I had a fireplace, it would yep. be above the fireplace. And I got the like farmer and his wife 
which apparently is actually a farmer and his daughter uh-huh. i learned but Yikes. of uh geo and juniper and it it's gorgeous it looks beautiful it, I would pay. I would pay so Artwork. much. Yes, it, like it should be in a museum. Yes, it should. Like and this it isn't tomfoolery here. No, no, this no. Is... This is no tomfoolery. And then, and then, arguably, the best thing that happened was I dug to the bottom of this box, <gasps> and all of a sudden, I saw this uh, this large box that said Back to the Future Part Two on it, and I stopped dead in my tracks, and I looked at Christine, and I said, "I think I'm hallucinating. I need you to look in the here and tell me if you also see this you stop breathing because i have i knew what was in it the second i saw that box because i know what was in that box because i've been wanting them since i was eight years old and now i officially own the nike <gasps> air mags dun, dun, dun. and they're light up they, by the way they're, they're lit up uh back to the future these style. are not the like sixty thousand dollar ones that auto lace very <laughs> disappointed in you guys but uh, we were are... saying, I was like, if they donated a thousand dollars to charity and then gave you fifty thousand dollars shoes, I would think we'd have a lot to talk about. Uh, I I have one of these since I was a child, but since they're like the, so cool. Since they're the so first, cool. ha- it's also why I'm wearing my Back to the Future Part Two hat. Right. I told Christine she's lucky. I didn't even think about bringing my hoverboard or my jacket today. I, I feel very lucky. Thanks. Could have gotten real crazy today. Yeah. But so this is uh, I have one of these shoes forever. They light up. They're gorgeous. I, uh, they've got the little like the blue spack- spackling on it. Um, and Etsy has a couple delightful shops where you can get all the extra modifications to make them look like super yeah. legit. So I've already purchased those. Oh, and sorry, they also included like a little cork oh, but, yes. USB drive that thumbnail. My dumbass, I literally thought they gave us a wine cork. And then Christine was like, no, it looks like you pulled it opens. apart. So I was like, don't throw it on the trash. It was a USB. And they apparently all gave us birthday messages on there. And I haven't been able to, we don't, our dumb computers don't have a USB <laughs> drive. So we're going to watch it later today. But wow, it really, that was yep. heart stopping. Like we were totally taken aback so thank you and thank you to everyone else who mailed gifts especially that it took us months to even get to open yeah, them we're we're sorry i i just want to blame uh covid every way i can but also it was partially it like was just hard whenever i would visit together. we had like a million things to do and it always got pushed as much as like it's shocking that em and i pushed back opening presents it sounds like impossible but it happened um, well, so, usually, like, for example, you were only here for, like, 48 hours, and, like, we had to do, like... I'm here for four days, but... Are you? Yes, but... I thought yesterday was the first feels, day I saw you. Um, oh, no, yeah, Space Camp video. Yeah, I got there before. two days ago, and then I leave tomorrow, but... Fucking feels like 48 hours. Has not been Does not feel long. like 48 hours to me. I can tell you that much. <laughs> the person who didn't travel. Yeah. It feels like I've only seen you... It ends up being five for days. For a full day. It's a long... It's a long time. Um, we've hung out a lot. We hung out three days in a row now. I know. Okay. Well, anyway, um, yeah, so it's hard to get everything in, but we we did that finally. So we'll post those on Patreon. And we're just really thankful for everybody. Yes. Sorry this was such a long intro, yeah, but a lot to my catch bad. up on. Um, but I'm, I'm also really excited about my stories today. It's just so wild and creepy. Like, I lost sleep last night. I was so creeped oh, out. Oh, shit. So spooky okay. time. Spooky season is beginning. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out 
a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. And that's why we drink is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I don't know this for a fact, but it's my opinion that there is no easier way to build a website than Squarespace because of this drag-and-drop technology. It gets better every year, and it is just, you when you think it can't get any better and easier, it does. I've been using Squarespace <laughs> since 2017. Um, and in that time, they have just proven themselves to be the best and easiest way to make a website. So anytime I make a website for any reason, that's where I go. When you're ready to get started, you can use one of Squarespace's professional website templates with designs for every category, and then you can customize it. You can customize the look, add new content, add features to fit your unique needs. It's just a great spot to have a landing page for you, for your business, for whatever it is you're trying to market or showcase. Squarespace is the best platform to use, in my opinion. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant and cushions with easy assembly and disassembly. This is the perfect thing for your outdoor space. They also just launched a new standing desk, co-pilot with adjustable height, a durable scratch-resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever. I'm in the market for a new desk, um, so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark. And of course, there's Burroughs Legacy seating collections like the Nomad and Range, now available in new colors. And M and I, that's like the only piece of furniture I think we actually share is our Burroughs sofa in the podcast department. Love that thing. And that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. 
Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, this is uh, this is one that I thought I had covered. Apparently, I had not. I think I was mistaking it for the Enfield Poltergeist. Oh, I remember that one. Um, so this is the Snedeker family haunting, <gasps> or the, the Snedeker house. Uh, this was the inspiration for haunting in Connecticut, where I think the oh. Enfield Poltergeist was inspiration for The Conjuring. Got it. So I think I got those. Th- mixed none up of that in my means head. anything to me, but great. I got it. Well, let's learn about half of it. I am on my way to understanding what you're saying at the finish at the bootleg finish line. You're almost there. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so this story takes place in 1986, um, and this uh, the house belonged to Carmen and Al Snedeker. Uh, they moved to this house. It was in South, uh, Southington, Southington, Connecticut. Um, and the address of the house, by the way, uh, is 208 Mer- Meriden Avenue. Um, I'm only saying it because it does exist all over the internet. You can find the address in a lot of places. But it is a private residence. so You're if not you- like doxing. Well, you are doxing them, but everyone's doxing them. It's very easy to find. So okay. I don't feel like I'm like spreading private information. It is a private residence and apparently the people who live there are fine with you taking pictures from the road. You yeah, don't, don't don't do any don't further. Trespass. Especially with this social distancing. Like exactly. we don't need that. Oh, especially during that. Um but yeah, so it's in Southington, Connecticut and Carmen and Al Snedeker moved from moved there from New York to be closer to the Yukon Hospital. Mm. Um and not Yukon, like University of Connecticut, I think. You con yeah not like canada yukon um <laughs> oh oh i was like what other yukon is there okay, i was thinking yeah. like why uk no yeah like yukon the school uh to be closer to the hospital because they had a son who was uh dealing with cancer oh no and so they wanted to move closer to the hospital so that they would be able to so just be easier sure. on, on all of them um so i'm gonna and they were like it's gonna be so much easier if we move to this house and i imagine whatever's coming is not easier. right exactly like oh we had a great idea and oh, then it ends up not being a great no. idea so one thing i'm gonna say is i am confused about the children's names it's definitely carmen and al are the parents but different stories have made it sound like there were three kids of theirs and one or two nieces that lived with them okay but the nieces either already lived with them or show up later in the story and i'm not sure where what the accurate like the version is yeah okay i don't know if they moved in and the their the niece also moved with them or if the niece moved in later okay um also their names are kind of wild so like the son who had I cancer. Mean, their name is Snedeker. Like it, <laughs> I'm expecting something. There, well, I mean, like it's like based on different stories. There's different names, and I think some stories were for their privacy, but then other 
places use their actual names. So, and then there's the I movie see. based on them. So they have their own names, like fictional names as well. So every character, every character I mentioned has like three different names. I see. And it was for a while hard to k- keep up with like, oh, who's who? But I, I know from an actual interview that Carmen and Al did that the son with cancer's name was Stephen. Okay. Although in a lot of um, articles, he's known as Philip. And then there's another son that they have named Michael, according to the, their personal interviews. But a lot of uh, articles named him Bradley. Well, I know this happens a lot, at least in true crime, where minors are given fake given names, names or, yeah, in the media. And then a lot of times later on, the family will refer to them by the real name. And then, yeah, it gets, like, uh-huh. mixed up. So that could be... I think that maybe that's what I dealt with. And maybe... Uh, I also didn't, like, watch the movie in preparation. So maybe Philip and Bradley are the movie names. Oh, sure. Or maybe there's a whole other set of names. I'm not sure. But Stephen is officially the son's name. Got it. Um, and so they they originally moved into this house not only because it was closer to the hospital, but they kind of like lucked out, quote, Uh-oh. and that it was a very big house that could fit their whole family, which had at least their three kids and maybe one or two nieces. Got it. Um, and it was cheap enough for them to also cover their medical bills. So affordable. Uh-oh. A big-ass house that's cheap. I wonder what's happened there. Yeah. Um, and also... Uh, they realized that it had enough rooms when you also included the basement where the boys would be sharing a room. Nope. Or at least sharing the space. So on move-in day, apparently Stephen right away said, we have to leave immediately. This house is evil and something what? bad is going to happen if we stay. Can you imagine if your kid said that? You'd be like, I just put down a, like, an <laughs> yeah. I just took out a mortgage on this house. Oh, God. It's too late. <laughs> Sorry, go uh, in the basement. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, again, there's different versions to this story, and I don't know what's necessarily the movie versus what is reality versus what the alleged claims are. Okay. So there's, again, three different versions because I'm going to get to him later, but there's an author named Ray Garten, and he wrote a, originally they were con- calling it like, uh, like a nonfiction book about everything that happened, and he was using as much detail as possible to give as accurate of a story as possible. And then later he says, like, oh, no, it's fiction. So, like, you can't even really trust what the archives of this are. Right. Um, But the main story is that Al, when they are moving in, goes down to check the basement um, before the boys start moving their stuff in. And he sees that the room is full of embalming tables, oh. embalming stuff, uh, oh, tables, no. and medical tools. Oh, no. Oh, no. And they just left that there? Apparently, they were like, well, it was just welcome. abandoned. They just left all the equipment there. And it apparently, in that room, they also had a chain-powered body lift, and one of the walls either was stained with blood or had a drain for blood. Goodbye and good night to everyone. I'm not participating in this anymore. So uh, they realized that the house, I don't know how they realized it or how they got this information, but they find out that the house was called the Hallahan Funeral Home. <laughs> and the body lift was literally to lift corpses from the basement to the first floor. Well, yeah, I kind of guessed that at this point. <laughs> if we're lifting bodies anywhere, I'm imagining. They also allegedly found a small graveyard um, out oh, the back. no. Um, they also found drawers full of corpse photographs, toe tags, and personal items of the dead. Oh, can you imagine just like, what's in this drawer? Toe tags. It's like moving into a totally stocked morgue. Yeah. Ugh. And like not cleaned, apparently, if and, there's like drains of blood. And that's where you and little Timmy sleep. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they're like, he's like, this house is evil. It's like, what? No, not this house. Can you imagine if you're Al, the dad, and you're like, 
no, 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 this place isn't evil. Don't worry. Let me go check the basement for you. And then you're like, oh, shit, I can't really tell them it's to like come down here. It's like that thing where you tell your parents there's a monster and they're like, no, I'll check. Watch. Mom will go in the closet and look. And it's like, mom will open the, oh, right. there's a lot of embalming fluid in this <laughs> drawer. You weren't kidding. So uh, Carmen and Al actually did one of their interviews that is on YouTube. Is uh, They were on the show Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Do you remember that show? No. It was like, I mean, I don't think it was around during our time. It was like 80s. Oh, I don't know what that Early is. 90s. So it was our time, but we were obviously not. Bebes. We weren't watching it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe our moms were. But Maybe. it was like a, it was a talk show. Oh, no, um, I don't know it. My mom probably wasn't watching it either. She only watched like, um, whatchamacallit, Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> and that's it. I don't, I'm, I have a hunch my mom was watching Sally, Josiah, Raphael. Um, I I can see Linda watching. I don't even know what it is, and I already know the answer. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, on the show, Carmen said, "Quote: I didn't know it was a funeral home when I." So this is also where the story gets weird because they say, "Oh, Al went in there, and then he saw this embalming stuff." She says that they found out later, and that mm. there's also some. I'll read the quote uh, in a second. I don't know if it's in this quote or if it comes later, but one of their. One of the other stories that came out was that Al didn't go down there during move-in day and saw all this stuff, but the basement was actually blocked up when they moved in, and it took a while for them to get all that stuff out of the basement and then found that stuff. Sure. I mean, if it were were just full of crap, you probably wouldn't, like, explore it until you had the time. So I don't really know, but this is what um, Carmen had to say on the show. Okay. I didn't know it was a funeral home. When I came in the first time, the downstairs was full of workmen and lumber. When you went down the hallway to your left, there, uh, to your left was where there used to be the chapel, which is mm. now our dining room. Oh my, this is like getting worse and worse. This sounds like your house it right does. now. It does. I'm like, oh, what have I done? Here, now you're a third person party to what I have to hear you talk uh, about in your house. I get it now. And then she says, I got the TV from an estate sale and there was a dead... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh my God, I went, wait a second. <laughs> wow, I really, you really, you got me there. I went like, holy crap. You were like, oh man. But I didn't get a TV from an estate sale. Okay, everybody. You got a couch clear. from an estate sale. Be yeah, clear. No electronics though, you know. Well, uh, yeah, so the to the left was the chapel where the dining room used to be. If you kept going into the kitchen and through our French doors, okay, <laughs> oh. what a flex oh, yeah. um you would <laughs> get right. to the basement which was the morgue got it the hoist went up to our bedroom <gasps> and to the right of the staircase was a blood tank cool i'm not gonna ask. i don't I know, know we're all waiting for somebody to ask what that is i'm not I'm i don't want to know i don't either i mean not. it sounds like it's a tank of blood you guys can google this for yourselves i'm not interested and then as you walked through there uh, there was a sink where they flushed the blood and things of that nature. Okay, we're going on with the blood. Got it. On the sink was makeup and wax used to prepare the bodies. <gasps> so that was still there. They really like just abandoned it. They just ship. left. There were also three coffin pillows. If you went Ew. on, you'd find the north coffin room, which is where my son Steven slept. If you made a right, you'd get to the south coffin room where Michael slept. I'm like so astounded at how extremely ridiculous this is. That's like starting off pretty strong. I mean, the second they signed that paperwork, the people selling it were like, thank God it's off our hands. So, exactly. They're like, wow, I can't, some, I can't believe some these suckers, poor saps yeah. really just bought this place. Whew. So soon they start having experiences like pretty damn. I mean, it was asking to haunt yeah, not, you. Not surprised by this. Um, And w- uh, just so everyone knows too, like, a lot of people would say, like, why are you, why would you stay? Well, first of all, they 
already just got this place because they barely could afford anything else because of all the medical bills for their son. And they were convinced and became more and more convinced over time that the spirits were attached to them. So no matter where they went, mm. it was going to follow them. So they're like, we might as well just stay put. Right. Um, so the kids first started hearing footsteps, which kept them up. And then they started hearing the sound of, quote, hundreds of birds taking flight. Ew, what a weird specific sound. I don't even know how that would sound. Um, Ooh, like flapping? Yeah, I just think of like a lot of bats. That's really freaky. Um, and they started seeing strange people in the house. Well, like people okay. that were not their family just walking That's around like the a, house. That's like an escalation if I ever heard. They heard footsteps and, and then all of a sudden like. I heard a hundred bats and then I saw a stranger. And then a man was in the bathroom, yeah. Um, Woof. Let me see. Oh, and then electrical sockets and light bulbs were described as having an unnatural glow or flickering on their own or completely <laughs> turning off um, on their own. So there is one reference that I saw, which I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently, um, excuse me, Al was saying that the kids were, this is kind of fucked up, but it like does explain it realistically, not supernaturally. I guess all the kids were saying that they were so scared at night that they were keeping the lights on and Al was afraid of the electric bill. Sure. And so he took all the light bulbs out. Oh, no. That's such a dad move. It's like fucked up that like now the kids are still scared, but it would explain why the lights would magically like disappear or like turn off and they wouldn't be able to turn them on in the middle of the night when they were flipping the switch. Dad was like, no, no. Right. Under this roof. Steven, apparently, and also he's the one that is very ill. Yeah. And um, this, it just reminds me, so apparently he was the most afflicted by these spirits. Right. And I've said this before on the show, but um, one of my own friends uh, had a lot of medical issues um, at one point in her life, and she actually died on the table in, in the hospital like 12 times. Right. And so, and she's the one who has some... Uh, psychic tendencies mediumship mediumship um and i in she attributes it and i also it makes sense to me she attributes that she's um able to uh have talents like that just because she has been so close to the other side mm-hmm. that it's easier to connect with i've things. heard that like near-death experiences or like right temporary dying yeah temporary dying Tem- as i mean it is it. <laughs> kind of temporary death it's like a quick death yeah and yeah yeah quick coming back uh but uh so i think that could be attributed yeah, to this like too you're thinning the veil each time exactly Ooh, spooky spooky so because he is the one that's kind of um more ill then he's probably closer to being able to see them or maybe they i mean this is really fucked up but like um a lot of people have suggested that when you're sick because yeah. there's less quote life vitality yeah you're, you're easier to um you're, like you're more vulnerable. Your soul is easier to manipulate or Ooh. something like that, which I don't know how She's I feel like, about that, but yeah, I've heard it before. It's and just, a theory. It's a theory. Um, but even like they say with um, teenagers that you're more susceptible to poltergeist right. because you have so much more like frenetic energy or like right, hormones right. happening. So you, I wonder if there's any connection with like if you're... When your energy is out of whack, yeah. they will take a hold of it, whether yeah. it's you've got too much energy or not enough. Right. Um, so he started immediately seeing things. I mean, day one, he said this place is evil. So like (laughs) that should have been the first sign. Uh, The family thought that he was hallucinating from his medications. Although like they went to doctors and said like, he says he's seeing people. He says he's hearing things, but the doctors were like his, that's not a side effect of his medication. Do we know how old he is? Um, I think, I mean, he was a teenager. Okay. Okay. Um, 
He so was he's like, old enough. He's not like three and being like, I see. No, no, no. He's the oldest of the kids. He's like, this isn't normal. I know that this is not normal. He's what like, I'm seeing. he's seeing something. Right. Yeah. And the doctors were like, no, like <gasps> that's not a side effect of his medicine. Wow. Um, and Carmen, like at first, obviously didn't believe them because the kid, the smaller kids were also seeing things. And she figured out that, um, or she assumed at least that, well, they know it's a funeral home and we like gave them a lot of PTSD with them walking into a morgue and saying, this is where we live now. So maybe they're just like coming yeah, up with move stories. move the embalming fluid aside and put your, <laughs> put your coffin put pillow. Put your toothpaste there. Put your coffin pillow on the bed and lay down. Exactly. So oh she, my gosh. she was like, they're probably just trying to like process that we live in a funeral home. I get it. Yeah. And so throughout the first months of living at the house, apparently Stephen also started showing radical personality shifts, <gasps> like oh, super no. angry, super irritable, super violent. <gasps> Um, there is also, um, I saw one source that said that he allegedly broke into the neighbor's house and like got a gun and <gasps> said oh that he God. was going to use it on Al. Oh my God. His I dad? Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but that was, um, something that was out there for the world. Um, and I think, I don't know if that was necessarily true, but he just, most sources said that he was incredibly angry and super <laughs> irritable and not himself. And the parents thought that maybe it was just adolescence or a reaction to, like, his radiation treatment. And, like, they were like, we're not going to bother him. Like, he probably feels like garbage. Right. Like, I'd be mad, too. Um, and then they realized that the son was turning his anger towards, like, just writing poetry just as an outlet. Aww. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> but it was all about necrophilia. <gasps> yeah. Um, em- yes. So what's the... What's the... Aww, Emothy But in reverse. Schultz. What's... What's all in reverse? Wow. <laughs> it's actually the sound of a hundred thousand bats just like <laughs> flying out of my soul and leaving me here, leaving my husk behind. Bingo. <laughs> so, um, so this is where I'm confused. Like apparently this, at this point, his cousin was already living there. Um, I'm not, it, that must've been the case because um, what happens next is he attacks his cousin <gasps> And um, oh, no. trigger warning, but uh, it's implied that he tried to sexually assault oh, her. No. Um, and apparently that happened a few times. <gasps> and that's the end of that. So if you if that's a trigger warning for you, we're done talking about it. It's over. Okay. But until uh, we get to my story, which as we know, at this every, point, every trigger every warning bullet is, point is applicable a trigger point. every episode. Um, but, uh, apparently he tried attacking his cousins. And it, again, <gasps> there's that rumor that he grabbed a gun to hurt his dad. So... Um, basically the parents immediately, like they heard that that happened to the cousin. I don't know if he did it or he just said he was like considering it or something, but they took him out of that fucking house and they were like, they put him in a, uh, mental institution for a while to get, um, to just check like his vitals and make sure that he's like, what is going on take his temperature <laughs> take his temperature maybe like read him a book let's calm him down heart rate's a little high um so they found out that on top of his uh like his al- already horrible illness um that he was also um unmedicated or he wasn't even diagnosed yet for schizophrenia so he they ended up diagnosing him Can with you that imagine that double i mean that's horrifying I can't imagine going through all of that in your mind, like no. at, all at the same time. That's got to be really something else. So um, they got him on the right medication for that. Um, he was doing better. And after being there for 45 days, they brought him home. I'm um, glad we addressed the minute. I was like, I think there's, because we always, some, not we always, we sometimes walk that fine, not we, but like the stories walk that line of like, 
when we talk about like old timey hauntings and it's right. like, uh, is this maybe mental illness that was not detected yes. or not taken seriously? Yeah. The second I always see the the note like, oh, and they started seeing things. I'm like, okay, but were other people confirming this? Right. Like, or Especially when it know? comes to like, atta- like sexually assaulting someone. Right. And the, you know, that kind of. And also like <laughs> wanting to like violently hurt your parents. You right. Know? right. 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 So. Okay. Well, I'm glad that at least that was clarified a little bit. Wow. So according to that guy's book, the Ray Garten, who now they're saying like his book was like just a bunch of like sensationalized nonsense. Oh. Um, Ray says that Stephen actually admitted to his family um, that he he did all those horrible things that he like said he had attacked people in his family. Um, Wait, so sorry, he had in the in the book it says it says that Stephen admitted to actually doing these violent <gasps> things. Okay. But then again, like, we don't know if he was just trying to sensationalize the whole thing or... The author, you mean? If, if, yeah, right. if the author's lying. Um, but uh, so this basically, aside from that whole, like, ball of wax, while he was gone and the spirits weren't attached to him, they started focusing on the rest of the family. I see. So there's, so, there's still ghosts happening here. Yeah. So, like, on top of, like, cancer and schizophrenia and assault, there's also <sighs> spirits. And toe tags. And toe tags. Right. So he, while he was gone for those 45 days, the spirits took likings to other family members. No! Um, and basically he, when he came home, it, it like the spirits came right back to him. Um, <sighs> but it took a year for Carmen to start believing the kids. And it was when the nieces, Kelly and Trisha, I think are their names, when they moved in with them. I guess they moved in with them because their parents were getting divorced mm. and the Snedekers were like, well, you can come stay with us. Sure. I guess the ghosts weren't that bad yet or like, I know maybe Carmen still, you know, didn't believe we in them. We have plenty of room. So she was like, oh, the kids think it's the place is haunted, but you can come stay with us. Ugh. Um, so. Hmm. Okay. What? I'm trying to, I'm trying to tread this lightly because. You're scaring me. Oh, it's not um, paranormally scary, but if you are someone who, uh you know if a trigger for you is sexual assaults it gets kind of weird here this story the we find out that the ghosts become succubus and incubuses, oh no which if you don't know what those are That's they are spirits that it's the creepy little thing that also uh their <laughs> their mo is to sexually assault Ooh, you okay so yeah. it i i won't get really in depth but we are gonna toe that line so mm-hmm. if that is something that you cannot listen to that I would skip ahead maybe a minute. Yep. Starting now. Um, so one night Kelly got into bed and she felt an unseen hand groping her. <gasps> and that was apparently not the first time. Um, and hands started moving under the covers <gasps> that weren't there. They tugged at her underwear and okay. she felt hands on her on her body where they shouldn't have been. She heard scratching on the walls. She heard voices and she saw a black mask over her. <gasps> Um, Kelly also felt her bra straps being pulled down. She'd feel icy hands on her. And she, Jesus. apparently she tried to, um, she was holding onto a rosary and she could feel something trying to peel her hand open. Oh, no, 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 So no. she couldn't hold the rosary. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, and she said that she felt like the bed was vibrating or breathing and the rosary on the nightstand, eventually the cross fell off on its own. Like it like popped off the rosary. Oh, so she ran to Carmen 
and Carmen sat with her and read the read the Bible, but that was when she realized, that was when Carmen realized that there were spirits here because she saw for herself movement under Kelly's shirt as if a hand should have been there. Oh, like saw a hand, wrist, arm kind of like go up a Wait, shirt and outside. Yeah. Um, so that was when Carmen realized what was going on. Um, and so they ran downstairs. They ran to the dining room slash chapel and prayed. <gasps> and the incubus started getting more aggressive now towards Carmen and Al. <gasps> um, this is kind of, and by kind of, I mean very fucked up. Oh. But on Sally, Jesse, Raphael... Carmen and Al reenacted it. What? With like studio lighting and music. Oh my God. Which also makes people wonder like, okay, this must be a hoax because nobody who's ever been um, a survivor of assault like happily talks about it super openly on a television show, like in a studio set setting. Hmm. Like, and maybe some people are comfortable and have like coped with it enough where they can talk about it, but they were talking about it like, it wasn't even hard for them to go I back to. I wonder if it's different, though. I mean, not. I wonder if it being a paranormal thing is it just was, more detached feeling, maybe? Maybe. I mean, not that I'm saying, oh, that was probably a fine experience for everyone, but, like, sure. I wonder if it's just... I imagine that if you are... If this is if an experience that, where, you know, a stranger or whomever... Sure, it could be more tra- much more traumatic and, right, versus seems, not being able to see something. And it seems less... I don't know, but then I could, you could also argue it'd be super scary that like you can't see what's happening. Well, yes, and I think I imagine that a talk show in the was it 80s or whatever or a- at any point is probably going to have a an easier time making light of it. Sure. If it's To be fair, it was never no there was fake. no like audience laughter or anything. Like they weren't trying to make it funny, but okay. they were still And also I'm speaking as one person and I have no right in making a sweeping uh, generalization on this but right. it came across as like they were very very casual about it when I I would have not been so open to right. that right so I don't know hmm. it just that was just a lot of people have said like th- they were really casual about it like I wonder if it's like also explaining it because I feel like you don't have to demonstrate what right and they all they did was sit in the bed they didn't like and like uh, they didn't uh reenact anything graphic they just for some reason sally jesse raphael wanted them in a bed while they told the story well yeah i feel like there's probably some really amped up producers are being like oh let's get the most out of this also i imagine in the 80s like that yeah like you said like that was probably taken a lot more lightheartedly yeah anyway i'm sorry for like talking about that but also you should be warned that it's interesting if this is something that you wouldn't want to see on a talk show maybe don't go watch the interview on youtube right um Ugh. So, uh, without getting into uh, a lot of detail, they both Al and Carmen said that they were both completely assaulted by this thing many wow. times. Um, okay, that's just beyond. And I, I hope that's not a hoax. I mean, I, I hope it's a hoax because I, I don't. I want hope to, it's a hoax, but I also hope that it's. But that would be like so fucked horrifyingly up. fucked up if yes. you're like let's make up this story you know yes so, so I'm, I'm hoping it's not real but i'm also like what you know you know I, what you we get mean. it it's like it. i don't want this to have happened but of course also please god tell like, me they're not making this up right ugh. so um apparently they would know something was about to happen because they would hear music from the 1930s <gasps> and they would hear multiple men laughing 
Oh my god. Which is awful. This is horrible. So I mean, this awful. is really freaky. Now that I've said that, I promise I'm not talking about this stuff anymore for the rest of the story. But it okay. is it is a big part that I think should be brought up. Um, first of all, I would feel like an asshole if I didn't. Sure. If I like tried to like skim over it, throw that under the rug. But also, if you plan on looking further into the story, you should be prepared that yes. like this is the stuff that you're gonna see. Yes. Um, okay. So, so that all the violent stuff is happening, um, confirmed by not just the nieces but Al and Carmen. Now that yeah, and. Uh, they all said that all of their beds regularly felt like they were breathing or vibrating, which is really weird. They also said that they would see little, um, like, footprints on the bed that looked like a cat, like a ghost cat walking oh. around. But then they would feel like... But then you could even see the indents of, like, tiny little footsteps walking on the bed. But then all of a sudden, you would see the indent and you would feel, like, the weight of a grown man sit <gasps> on the bed. So it... It's Ugh, kind this... of like, were those little cat footprints or was it a guy standing by the bed doing this with his fingers Ew. and then sitting That's down? That's so much worse. It's all bad. It's, it's all bad. So but bad. so indents on the bed, potentially a cat. I pray to God it's a fucking cat. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, let's see. Apparently, uh, they there were times where they would literally like be running out of their house and they would feel something like trying to chase them. Um, Michael once saw the ghosts and this kind of confirms the cat theory that when he saw the ghosts a few times, but when he first saw them, they looked different than how they slowly transitioned (gasps) to look for him. In the beginning, they looked like they had cat-like eyes. Ew. And they would be on his ceiling staring at him while he slept. Okay. I don't love that. And then, uh, and then it turned more into like a general black mass, but his sister... He would hear his sister laughing or he would see the lights turning on and off by themselves. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so Carmen also said the spirits would, and going into like his sister would be laughing. Obviously his sister was not actually laughing. It was something impersonating his sister. Sure. And Carmen said that the spirits loved to impersonate the children. Um, so they, he would, she would regularly hear them calling for her from another room. And then over time, once she got familiar with that, it would stop doing that and it started becoming a much more guttural raspy voice cussing Mm. her out from different rooms um spirits would again follow them and not just follow them like you know they would feel unsafe in random other buildings but like if you were in a building away from your home they would also like mess with the electronics there that's scary so it's like attached to them yeah like the it said um machines would malfunction one time al's car they were like they he drove somewhere and he got out of his car the car started itself and drove into a building what i don't know if maybe he just forgot to like park the car and like (laughs) he's he's saying no it's really shitty driver um (laughs) but uh that's the only upside to all of this is you'd at least have something to blame if if you messed up right right, at any point in your life how do you call an insurance company though and be like listen the ghost turned yeah you definitely don't you lose that one you lose it so Carmen also said she would mop the floors and the water would turn into blood. Cute. And when other people would come into the room, it would change before they could see it. So she was alone. In I mean, that and experience. that's like that whole thing of making you feel crazy, crazy, yeah, or like insecure or in your own beliefs or whatever. And uh, the house started smelling like rotting flesh every now and then. Cute. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, items would go missing. Crucifixes apparently turned upside down. No, I don't like that. This sounds pleasant. Dishes would put themselves away. 
That's ap- absolutely. That's the best part of this whole story. Absolutely, one hundred percent, something I need. But apparently, it was like at inconvenient times. Like the kids would set the table for dinner, oh. and then as they're sitting down or they turn around, they'd be like, "Where the fuck are the dishes?" And, and they'd be back. You know in the I cabinet. bet that's also like now. This is just me going way past our finish line and like making shit up. But I wonder <laughs> if also part of it is is pitting each other, pitting them against each other, right? Like separating, like saying oh, you're seeing this thing, but as soon as you call in your husband, he's not going to see it. And, oh, the kids are going to set the table, but now we're going to make you think they didn't. And Like like Steven's like, no, I already put the dishes out. And then he gets in trouble. And then the mom's like, no, I did mop the floor, but there's blood everywhere. And the dad's like, no, I didn't drive the car into the building. (laughs) And everyone's like, dad, you definitely did. (laughs) Dad, that one's for sure on you. That one's you. Um, And the younger brother, apparently, I don't know why he put himself in this situation, Uh but apparently... He once like got on one of the gurneys <gasps> and then it started spinning uncontrollably and he couldn't get off of it. Oh, no. Um, and also that was a scene from the movie. So I don't know if it's more exaggerated in the movie sure. than it is in real life. Maybe he like just couldn't get off the gurney. But I was going to say the second it starts rolling. I'm like, help. So if it rolled a little inch <laughs> where I could definitely get off of it, I would tell everyone for the rest of my life. You and it I spun uncontrollably. would be like, what? Um, the one time the shower curtain wrapped itself around Carmen so she couldn't breathe. Nah. And the, nah, 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 and nah. her niece had to pull her out of the shower. Nope. Um, apparently Carmen also saw demons and this was how she described one of them. One was very thin with high cheekbones with long black hair and black <laughs> eyes. The other had white hair and eyes and wearing a pinstriped tuxedo. Oh God. Um, and his feet were constantly in motion. So I just imagine like someone standing okay, there tap dancing. Really, oh, I just picture like walking but not going anywhere. But Ooh. yeah, that's what I picture. But it's either way, bad. it's bad, bad. It's all bad, as we like to say. Um, let me see. Where were we? Oh, yes. The tap dancing thing. So eventually they got fed up. Can you believe it? And they contacted <laughs> the Warrens, um, who were like fresh off their Amityville high. Um, and so <laughs> riding high they uh, they brought so the Warrens actually brought their nephew John to come with them and they brought some other investigators and they were there for I think nine weeks and while investigating the team saw people getting like slapped and beaten and slammed to the floor and like just oh my god I mean these things were not hiding themselves they also heard the body lift chains moving on their own that's no good Lo- this is a quote from Lorraine in a separate interview from Sally Jesse Raphael Lorraine said, in the basement, it was absolutely terrible. When I walked down in the basement area, I wasn't afraid of the darkness. It was the dark, oppressive feeling as I walked around the home. That was absolutely horrifying, just horrifying. And the more I walked from the first room, and the more I walked from the first room that was a bedroom, um, we, which we were to find later was referred to as the North Coffin Room, <laughs> something horrible had occurred in this place, and I could see all the charred bodies. <gasps> Because remember, she was the medium between them. So, oh, like, that sucks. So Lorraine, like in there, I think the way it went is whenever the Warrens would go into a house, they did a walkthrough and she would just kind of go into her own zone and she would use her um, mediumship right. and try to sense spirits who were there. And all she saw were charred bodies. Oh, my God. Um, And in that interview, they said, like, out of all the cases you've done, if you were to rate this, like, 1 to 10, what would you call this? And she said this was a 7. Wow. And she said 10 is, like, full-blown exorcist possession. Okay. That's um, pretty high up there. 7 is, like, not a house I want to live in. I'd prefer not. Um, and so one night during the investigation, Carmen was actually lying down in bed. And she remembers she wasn't doing anything. Like, the warrants didn't ask her to do anything. She just, on her own, ended up in this 8 
hour-long trance. Oh, no. And this is a quote from Carmen on that. I was transported into complete darkness. I couldn't feel the temperature of my own skin. I couldn't hear myself speak. I couldn't see anything but blackness. The entity opened up a hole above me and started shouting obscenities at me, which got worse if I prayed. So if she what prayed, was it trying it got, to do, you think, take her soul away? Maybe. Um, she was apparently transported to this world that she like inherently knew was called Ethrium. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Which was, quote, a desert road of hot tears. And I was taken down this road of souls where I could feel the anger, the emotion, the hurt, the desperation, the sadness through my skin. What the fuck? Yikes. Um, apparently, around this time, John, the Warren's nephew, where it was down uh, sitting in the dining room. And this is a quote from him. He said, the room got bitterly cold. I could sense a presence around me. And I saw an apparition starting to form. Mm. And as this happened, John smelled a, quote, disgusting odor so fa- so foul that it restricted his breathing. <gasps> and he heard the sounds of flapping wings. Uh-huh. And the yeah. apparition slowly walked down the stairs, staring at him. And apparently it was the ugliest thing he'd ever seen. This is really freaky. The, the thing got down to the last step, turned towards him and said, do you know what they did to us? <gasps> And John apparently left the house and didn't come back for three days. I, I can't. I can't believe he came back at all. But okay, whoa. Um, the Warrens were the were also there to either confirm. I think they were the ones who who were the first people to say this to the family. But the Warrens found out on their own that necrophilia had happened in the house, which would ex- explain why Stephen was writing poetry about that, and they were attached to him. And yikes, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just a weird coincidence. It so, is, yeah. The Warrens found out that necrophilia had occurred in the the funeral home, which probably is what caused the demons because the energies weren't at rest. Um, so they brought in a priest and things were fine for a few days after the priest blessed the house. But pretty soon after, Carmen and Al had objects thrown at them. There, there were scratches on the kids' bodies and the Warrens decided that they needed a full ass exorcism with multiple priests. Full ass. Full go. ass, full booty cheeks. Let's all go. So they did it like they brought in a bunch of priests, had a huge exorcism. And the apparently this was on September 6th, 1988. Um, and this was keep in mind, they moved in 1986. Wow. So this is two years of, of this. this nightmare. Um, so it was a three hour exorcism. Um, apparently during it, the dishes rattled, picture frames shook. There was banging in the walls and two of the priests left because they couldn't handle it. Um. After the exorcism, the last thing that they saw was a red footprint on the living room floor. Oh. They don't know what that means. Goodness. But apparently it's it was it's there the after. meaning thing. Maybe like it was walking out. I don't know. But um, their, their nephew, John, the Warren's nephew, he said, quote, the house definitely felt lighter and the smell of roses came upon us. We all felt a sense of calm and relief. And the Snedekers ended up living there for a couple more years without any problems. Wow. They moved to Tennessee. Um, <gasps> Stephen, unfortunately, he did go into remission for a while, but it came back in 2012 no. and he passed. Um, he's buried in Elizabethton, Tennessee. And uh, the family has been on national talk shows. In 2002, there was a documentary about them. In 2009, The Haunting in Connecticut came out. Um, there is controversy, like I've been mentioning, that the family, maybe a lot of the family maybe didn't experience the activity but made it up because they needed the money for medical bills for their oh, son. Oh no, that's a weird way to go about it though. So they think like maybe if they stirred up enough attention. I mean, they were in Connecticut, which isn't far from 
you know, upstate New York, Amityville oh, had see. just happened. So maybe they were like, if we drop enough attention, we can get the warrants here, publicize this. A lot of people think that they wanted to do this for the press tour and all that so that they right. could get the money. But it is also hard because I feel like if you talk about it, then people immediately are like, it's a hoax. But if you don't talk about it, right. then like... Nothing happens. People are like, why aren't you talking about... Why aren't you right. telling people? So it's a weird... Like, that's That's the big crux of it or that's like the big uh assumption is that it was for medical bills sure um which like i understand wanting to do anything for your kid that's sick yeah and but at the same time like when you think about like the assault accusations and all that a lot you could have just said you had ghosts you know right and i think well i wonder too maybe if maybe it happened maybe some of it happened and maybe they were like let's amp this up so that's another theory like make it oh you know you're on you're on track here so you're you're it's never happened before you are uh what is it again you're on your way to understanding i'm on my way to understanding what you're talking about um so daryl kern is uh the former owner of the building and he confirmed that the building was hallahan funeral home okay um but like i said earlier (laughs) carmen has said like well we didn't know it was a funeral home until later um so neighbors say that the family absolutely knew it was mm. a funeral home, even though they're saying, oh, we didn't know until we moved in and moved things around. No, no, no. Everyone that knows them for the most part is like, there was literally a sign that said funeral home on the house. Oh. <laughs> but Carmen says like, well, it was covered with plywood because they had closed up shop and then we were moving in. So we never saw because it, it was under plywood. We never yeah, saw Yeah, I guess sign. maybe if you're frantically trying to move in while dealing with the health issues, maybe you would right. just kind of like skipped over that. So a lot of that's a lot of people are on either side of right. that being like, OK, if it literally said funeral home, like you could have known if you took the plywood off. Maybe there was no plywood on it at all. Yeah. Who knows? Um, a lot of neighbors say that these um, they never heard about any activity uh until all of a sudden they started getting behind on their rent Mm, oh and so all like that they're saying like well we didn't hear anything but then you can argue like well they were probably dealing with this privately and then it came out in the middle of them also trying to figure out rent um another big argument for like this is a hoax is that the house they were in was a duplex and they had an upstairs tenant who never had a fucking ghost. Oh, no. And so a lot of people are like, why on earth, like, wouldn't she at least hear something? Oh, weird, you know? yeah. And, uh, or like experience something. So their neighbor was uh, Sandy. And Sandy also, like, just to like the chef's kiss of this argument is that she also worked for <gasps> the real estate agency that the Snedekers used to find this house. Yeah. And she was like, as someone who worked for the company they used to find this house, they would have been told this was a funeral home. Like, I there's, see. Like, I, I lived want, there and there was nothing going what if, on. Like, and Al, what if, like, Al was told, but he just, like, didn't say it. You know what I mean? And then he Maybe. was like, I didn't know. Maybe, And yeah. she was like. So he didn't upset anybody in the family or something? I don't know. That's a great argument. I don't it's know. It's like, maybe one of them knew but didn't want to say it. But so, um, like I said earlier, I couldn't even, like, know all the 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 kids names uh and there was like a lot of like i don't know when the cousins moved in i right. don't know like so there is no uh, allegedly there's no solid details about the story at all except for the fact that steven had cancer that's the only thing that we can confirm which is such across a the board bummer i'm like that's such a bummer. true fact okay great um but then again you know there's an argument to everything like it could have been like oh well they were minors so their names were changed right, so right, right, maybe right, it's right, not right. really controversial it's just like they were trying to protect their identity so um carmen and the niece 
also happened to apparently love the movie The Entity, uh-huh. where one of the characters was, quote, attacked almost identically to their experiences. Oh, dear. So they so there's an argument that they could have just reported what they'd seen in a movie. And who knows, like, if, not again to just, like, throw them under the bus, but who knows, like, how much could be, like, subconsciously right. trying to, you know, uh, project, like, what they've seen in a movie onto what was they were experiencing. Or- right, right. I don't know, man. Also, there's a neighbor named Joan. Fucking Joan. <laughs> there's uh, always a neighbor named Joan. And Joan, apparently she was on their side for a while. She was like, I've seen the family running out of the house in the middle of the night. Oh, dear. Um, and like saying they would not go back inside. But there's, there's another quote from Joan saying, they never seemed to be afraid. They were always laughing. So it's like, are, like maybe the family was, you could argue again, yeah. the parents are trying to like keep their spirits up and like trying to distract the kids and right. make, some, make something light of it. But also like, why were they running out of the house to begin with? Um, Joan also did say that she herself had seen a mysterious green glowing coming from their windows and she was stung by a mysterious force when she walked into their house one time. Could have been a bee. Um, <laughs> oh my God. And Joan says, quote, every time I have seen Carmen on TV, on TV, so like maybe the Sally Jesse, Ra- Jesse Raphael yeah. show. Um, anytime I've seen Carmen on TV, the story became more and more involved and got bigger. Mm. So even Joan's like, I believe it to an extent. Like maybe there were ghosts, but they really amped it up right, for TV. Right. Um, which again, you can argue like if they were doing this for medical bill money, like yeah. of course they'd want to amp it up. And as also, most- that's a hard thing once you're like signed up on a TV show to like. You want tone to, it down when the producer are trying to get you Yeah, you want you to, to deliver. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when asked, again, why they didn't leave, Carmen said that she was afraid they would get followed. But then there's other s- versions of it where she was, like, apparently unaware that things were going on. She said that it, only things happened to the kids. But then it's like, well, you also said you got assaulted. So Ooh. there are some inconsistencies. But also that could just be a timeline thing because she didn't know for, for like, a, a year. Yeah. And then things started happening to her. So maybe those are just taken out of context and right. two different perspectives from different times um it has been said that rather than being attacked by supernatural creatures maybe the family was coping with being abused and harassed by steven right because he uh, allegedly admitted to being violent with his family and even if he wasn't he was he still had attitude shifts and like was writing about necrophilia and stuff apparently right and um, he was very ill. Like, they were probably coping with the trauma of, like... Right, they were probably... Tra- yeah, exactly. Two diagnoses. Coping with many levels yeah. of things. Um, and so Ray Garten, the book that he wrote was In a Dark Place. And this is also... He's not loved by the family because apparently he... Remember, he did, like, this, like, really outlandish version of the story. Right. And so members of the family really don't like that book because they're like he made us look so fucking bad Uh, he made it seem like this was what really happened and so therefore a lot of the stories out there about this case are muddled now and like nobody really knows what officially happened right unless you look at some of the interviews that the family did um but that being said like he also he also like helped confirm that this was sensationalized because just hang on a second. Let me just okay. say it. So Ray Garden, he was actually commissioned by the Warrens during their investigation to document everything so that he could write a tell-all book about it. And so a lot of people with that backing were like, oh, this must be a nonfiction book because the Warrens themselves are telling you to write this book. Right. Um, but now Ray claims that the book was fiction because apparently, just like how a lot of people have said, well, their stories don't always add up. 
Ray himself was like, their stories didn't add up. And I was the one in the house with them talking to them. And I couldn't get straight answers from them. Yeah, I see. He said, quote, I found that the accounts of the individual Snedekers didn't quite mesh. They couldn't keep their stories straight. The family was going through some serious problems. Um, and I became very frustrated. It's hard writing a nonfiction book when all the people involved are telling you different stories. Right. Right. Um, right. And so even Al's sister, Nancy, has spoken out and said that she hates Ray for some of the things that he said about the family. But then Ray defending himself is like, I didn't want to say those things about the family. But one, I was confused by what people were saying. And apparently not only were the family stories inconsistent, but the Warrens told him to sensationalize the case. Uh Oh, which makes people wonder about the legitimacy of the Warrens. Yeah, then it gets no fucking house of cards at that point. Apparently the Warrens quote, arranged for an exorcism, but they never provided any evidence of this. Mm. Apparently, Ed only ever referred to the priest as Father A, and if you ever asked for more information about this guy, he would get real fucking hostile. Whoa. He, like, did not want to talk about it. And apparently the local Roman Catholic archdiocese even says that there's no officially sanctioned (gasps) exorcism from this house. That's not a good sign. And uh, Ed accused one of the neighbors of being, quote, paid off by the landlord to say the activity wasn't real. Um, mm. even though maybe that's not true, and the got and Sandy was like, "No, I fucking live here. Nothing happened." Yeah. Um, and also one uh very famous skeptical paranormal investigator named Joe Nickel, he even said that he had doubts, and Ed allegedly threatened him. Jesus. Um, and during an interview, one of the reporters realized that Ed was like being real hush hush about like giving direct answers, and said like, "Hey, can you answer some more questions for the sake of credibility?" And Ed Warren said, "I don't care about your credibility, pal." Pal. Pally. You hear me, um, pal? So Ray says that he went to the Warrens upset that the Snedeker's testimonies didn't match up. And I guess because the Snedeker's have said, like, Ray made us look like trash, Ray in defense is like, whoa, the Warrens made me do this because they're the ones that commissioned me. Um, and this is a quote from him. He said that he went to the Warrens to complain that, like, the Snedeker's testimonies didn't match up and he wanted to do the book justice. But Ed said to him... Quote, oh, they're crazy. All the people who come to us are crazy. You think sane people would come to us? Just use what works from their testimonies and then make up the rest. Just make it up and make it scary. Whoa, that's not a good look. That's not a good look, especially because the Warrens are like, I'm a big fan of them. Yeah, they're like the cops. This is not a cute look. Pal. So the last thing I'm going to say is the current owner, her name is Susan. And Susan says, quote, most people are respectful. They stay on the road. They might take a picture, but we have had some problems with people kind of rudely coming up to the door and scaring our kids, telling them that the house is haunted. Don't do that. Why would you do that? And then she says, we've lived in the house for over 10 years. Our house is wonderful. This is all Hollywood foolishness. Hollywood foolishness. Or you could say the exorcism worked if one existed. Father A did his job. I'm sorry that was so long, but holy shit, that was a juicy one. Every step of the way, there was something to talk about. So that is the Snedeker I can't believe house. I've not heard of this. And you can watch their interviews on uh, YouTube and all that. Um, Snedeker is spelled without a C, in case you're wondering. It's S-N-E-D-E-K-E-R. I was wondering. Um, wow, thank you. That was a tale. A tale. A in, tall tale. A tall tale, indeed. Um, this is the story, M of Bible John. I've heard of Bible John, but I don't know what the hell this is. Well. Is it a guy from the Bible? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, John is a guy from the Bible. Okay. But, he, like, but this is a dude who calls himself Bible John. Is he a priest or something that did something no, bad? No, no, no. And he does not call himself Bible John either. Oh. So see, I clearly know nothing. Yeah. Uh, I am 
learning. I am on my way to understanding. You're actually not. I think you are I'm on about your to be. way uh, the they other. They haven't shot the gun in the air yet for me to go. Yes. So. You're running in the other direction. Okay. Actually. But um, okay. I'm still in the bathroom changing. <laughs> you're stuck. You got stuck in the bathroom. Okay. This is the story of Bible John. And it takes place in uh, Scotland. Mm, where the Bible took place. Where also the Bible took place and CK took place. Takes Ooh. place. Took place. Um, so this is the late 1960s in Glasgow. And uh, it's the biggest, second biggest city in Scotland, just surpassed by Edinburgh, the capital. Remember that time I called Fun it Edinburgh because I am yes, I do. not that intelligent when it comes to Scotland. Uh, just when it comes to Scotland. Though. Only Scotland. That's but you know the what? one uh, Achilles heel. You tell me anything about Canada, maybe <laughs> I'll have an answer and maybe it'll be right. I'm per, only like 1%. Perhaps. Right? Okay. So let's see. Um, we have a lot of fun things from Scotland. We have CK. We have Haggis. We have the Loch Ness Monster. We have David Tennant. We have the Fringe Festival, Edinburgh Fringe Festival. We have one of my ancestors, according to Ancestry.com. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so now there's this case, which is no good. Okay. It's it's the, the bad part of Scotland, I guess. Fingers crossed my ancestor is not Bible John. I really hope not. Um, I certainly hope not. I certainly hope not. That would explain the turbulent in my personality, though. Yeah, it would a little bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. it wouldn't explain mine, <laughs> but it would explain yours. <clears throat> so February 22nd, 1968, um, an auxiliary nurse and mother named Patricia Docker, who's 25 years old, put her parents in care of her son, Sandy, who's four years old, while she went out dancing with her friends from uh, a hospital to a dance called the Majestic, otherwise known as the Magic Stick. Okay. So Majestic, Magic Stick, close Remember that time we got wooden dildos? Magic, Magic sticks. sticks. Um, after dancing for a few hours, Patricia suggests they hop over to another dance hall, but none of her friends want to go, so she goes by herself. And she goes to a dance hall called the Barrowland, also known as the Barras. I'm probably saying this all wrong because I'm not saying it in a Scottish accent. Say it like Shrek, and you'll you'll have it down. No, I'm not <laughs> going to. And I suggest neither of us do because excellent. We get enough emails. Um, so the Barrowland Ballroom has a huge neon sign that says Barland, surrounded by images of like explosions in yellow, pink, blue, green. Um, the sign, according to their website, is believed to the, be the biggest of its kind in the UK. Oh, which, that's fun. Yeah, why not? Um, so on a Thursday night, they would have these things called Grab-A-Granny Night. <gasps> that and, sounds fun. Well, it was the... The idea was that if you were over 25 and single, you were a granny because oh. you weren't married yet or you were so single. You're a spinster. You're a spinster. I thought it was like, take your grandma to the club. No, night. no, no. That'd been fun. <laughs> it's also a little iffy in my book because I'm like, oh. don't grab anyone, please. Like, just... I, In my head, it was like, bring your grandma to the club night. Me and Jackie Gleckman would tear it up, okay? <laughs> Miss Jacqueline <laughs> Miriam Glickman yep. would tear it up. Uh, so this was this secret, quote unquote, weekly night where people didn't use their real names. They would take off their wedding rings uh, if they had them. And uh, basically, if you were unhappy and over the age of 25 and married, this was kind of where you would go to hook up with a partner. On the DL, you know uh -huh, what I'm saying? Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. Um, a little creepy with the grabbing. Don't love that part, but um, I don't love that like we're grannies at age 25, but you know, whatever. Uh, so Patricia was married to Sandy's father who was living in Lincolnshire, Lincolnshire, I don't know, in Northern England where he was an RAF corporal. 
which we learned that RAF term. RAF. We were doing a Ouija board, and they he kept saying RAF, and then I remembered that the or guy Eva said Royal Air Force or something. Yeah, she figured it out. She we was like, like oh. "Do you mean Royal Air Force?" And we were like, what? and it was like shot to yes, and we were like, "Oh, we're dumb." <laughs> okay, um, Eva. Jeez. <laughs> uh, so it's unsure. Like they weren't divorced, but so we don't know if she was going to meet somebody or if she was just going to dance and have fun. Like we're not sure why she was going because she was married. Right. Um, so who knows? But it's Thursday night, and um, it has some reputation you know attached to it so maybe that's why her friends didn't go with her she went by herself um we do know she got there because people reported seeing her in a distinct yellow dress um but unfortunately this was the last time she was ever seen alive so the following morning february 23rd of 1968 uh maurice goodman of carmichael place uh was heading toward his garage around 7 or 8 a.m when he saw in the doorway a naked body he mm. ran indoors, still shaking from his discovery, called police, and the corpse, which was found half frozen because it was wintertime, uh-huh. uh, was Patricia. Yikes. So they were able to figure out that she had been strangled to death with a ligature, but there was nothing nearby, so they didn't know what it was. Um, they also did not see a purse or a handbag. Uh, Dr. James Imry, who's a pathologist, believed it might have been done either with a belt or her own tights, perhaps. Gotcha. Uh, and the way in which her body was lying, the police also believed the murder took place um, somewhere else, and then the body had been placed there after Ooh. she had died. Okay. Um, so what's more, this is just where things get really weird uh, and wild, is she was clearly on her period when she was found, and or when she had died, and there were several sanitary napkins lying around. Okay. Like scattered. Huh. So just woof i'll remember uh, that i feel 20, like that's important it is okay. or at least it comes back um so the police lost vital time on patricia's murder because they initially went to the magic magic stick the majestic because that's where uh-huh. she had gone right and it wasn't clear at first it took a couple days for them to realize she had gone to the borrowland afterwards and so that is probably okay. where she Died. met her killer right yeah so uh locals were asked questions divers went into the river to see if they could recover any belongings um there were like signs everywhere asking for more information but unfortunately no justice was found for patricia and because she had gone by herself to the bar um there wasn't much to go on there was no cctv this is the 60s there's no dna um well there is dna but we just didn't really get it yet uh so this is all until 18 months later in August of 1969, 32-year-old Jemima McDonald left, McDonald left her three children with her sister Margaret and went dancing at the Barland, wearing a black dress over a white shirt. Uh, so it was a Saturday, and Jemima regularly went to the Barland. This was like, she was a regular, basically. Um, the following morning, Margaret became concerned when her sister was not at home to pick up her kids. Uh-oh. Yeah, so later on in the day, Margaret overheard some children gossiping about finding a dead body. Oh, God. In okay. an abandoned tenement housing nearby. Okay. Uh, or an abandoned tenement, yeah. Right. So this must be a really hard decision. She decides to go check it out herself, having kind of like a sinking feeling. 
So uh, she passes through the crowd. She sees this body and she sees exactly what her fe- what confirms her fears. A corpse wearing a black dress over a white shirt. That is her sister. Oof. Jemima. So when the police come to investigate, they noticed a few similarities um, between Patricia's murder uh, 18 months earlier. Both mothers had been at the barland. Both had been strangled. And even though Jemima was not found naked, her handbag was also gone. Um, and both were on their period. She was also on her period. Mm. So once again, Jemima was found with sanitary napkins kind of around Scattered. her body. So police, again, questioned locals and interviewed people who were at the Barlands that night. Um, didn't get much information. The only thing they could gather is that she had been spotted on the dance floor with a man in a blue suit. He was described as six foot tall, thin, with short hair, short, fair, red hair, and was aged like twenties, late 20s, early 30s. Um, and then people said at the end of the night, they left together. So very generic description of yeah, a man. Not much to go off of. Yeah. Uh, especially because in Scotland, it's much more common to have red hair. It's not like a wild, <laughs> right. uh, wildly ridiculous, you know, not that it's wildly ridiculous here either. But it's, it's more just, common for it's sure. It's definitely, I would say, more common. Yeah. Um, so... Jemima's siblings tried to offer cash reward uh, for any information, but nothing, just dead end. Um, then, <clears throat> for the first time in the history of Scottish murder investigations, police released a sketch to the media. And apparently, this was not a common... The Crime Junkie covered the story, and according to them, at least, it's, it wasn't a common thing because law enforcement was worried it would lead to legal troubles if they did catch the person and then had, like, a sketch, and if that would hinder their proceedings hmm. because maybe like if they got the wrong guy or something like if or like, maybe that i think it was maybe that the defense could use it as saying like well what you're gonna like go off a drawing oh, and that's how okay. you're gonna identify it so i don't know if that's what it was but it seemed like it it definitely was not a thing they'd ever done before it was not commonly but this was like one of the times where they actually used this that. Is the first time ever oh wow yeah so first time in history of scottish murder investigation police released a sketch to the media um, they had a local portrait artist named George Lennox Patterson uh, paint a portrait based on the collected testimonies. And again, he was six foot tall, thin, with fair red hair, and was aged in his late 20s to early 30s. So um, just kind of a generic dude. Uh, so while this investigation was going on, on Wednesday, October 30th, 1968, which was about two months after Jemima's murder, 29-year-old Helen Puttick and her sister Jean went out for a dance at the Barland. Uh, Helen's husband was not super amped that she was going, but Helen was like, I'm just going to go dance. Like, it's all good. No worries. And uh, the two of them went out. So they started off at the Trader's Tavern on Kent Street, then arrived at the Barland uh, just after 10 p.m. So at the Barland, Jean and Helen were seen dancing with two separate men, both named John. And again, it's iffy because people would go there and change their name because they right, didn't okay. want to get recognized. so Of course, everyone would pick fucking John, John too. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not clear if their names were John or if like they were just, they were just like John. friends and they were like, oh, let's go call, call ourselves John. Right, right, right. So right, right. it's, it's uh, that makes it even more complicated. So John J was dancing with Jean and John H was dancing with Helen, which <coughs> that's interesting that it's John J, J with Jean, Jean huh. yeah, H with Helen. Um, didn't even realize that until just now. So John Jay was apparently a builder from an area called Castle Milk, but John H. never revealed where he lived or uh, 
in town, like where in town he lived. So approaching midnight, uh, different sources say either Gene or Helen's money got stuck in a cigarette machine and when they were trying to get some embassy blues cigs. Okay. <laughs> but either way, John H. begins arguing with the manager. He gets really worked up, really upset, and he calls the dance hall, quote, a den of iniquity. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, those oh. are fighting words, I think. Those are strong words. (laughs) So after this, John Jay is like, peace, I'm leaving. Y'all can get out, figure your own way home. So John Jay leaves and John H says, why don't I take you, Gene and Helen, home in a taxi? Bad news. Uh Uh-oh. So weirdly enough, we have a photo of this too, but Helen's flat is first on the route. Like her flat comes first. But um, they he dropped off Gene first, right? So it was almost like they went farther to drop like off the wrong, Gene, like, and then yeah, like they didn't just do not in the right order, right? Just weird. Um, so Gene is dropped off before the taxi continues on to Helen's flat. Um, the taxi driver says he drops Helen off around twelve thirty, and after dropping her off and driving momentarily, John gets out of the taxi. Is what the taxi driver says. Okay. So they dropped her off, and then he says, we drove for a bit, for a few moments, and then he got out of the car. So, like, he didn't even really need to go anywhere. It's like he just Seemed wanted, like to, he he, probably he wanted f- to know where she lived. followed her out of the taxi. Like, once they dropped her off, oh, he's like, good night, and then, like, drove a block and was like, let me out, uh-huh, uh-huh. if that makes sense. I thought, in my head, it was like he was, he just wanted to, like, drive her to her place so he knew where she lived so he could come back later and do something. Mm-mm. But no, it's instant. Yeah, that's why I, I think he dropped off Gene first because he was like, Got I have it. plans. Yes, I'll be busy tonight. One. Yes. Um, so the following morning, a body is found by a neighbor walking his dog. And later that day, when George goes to the police to report Helen missing, uh, Detective Superintendent Joe Beatty took him aside, asked what Helen was wearing that night. And when George described her outfit, Joe said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, son, your wife's been murdered. And it's just like really sad because George was like, I don't know if I feel comfortable with you going out alone with your friend. That's awful. Yeah. Imagine the guilt. Yeah. If he didn't, if he was already hesitant and now it's like. Yes, exactly. It just didn't end well. And he had a feeling about it. Yeah. So uh, although Joe Beatty wasn't originally convinced that the cases were linked, um, there were like a lot of weird similarities between the cases of Helen, Patricia, and Jemima's murders. Um, First of all, all three had been at the same place the night of the murder. Um, Secondly, all were found relatively close to their homes. And then thirdly, there was this MO of they were all strangled, and they believed Jemima was also strangled by her own tights. Fourthly, oh my God. although Helen was fully closed, her handbag was also missing. So that was another part of the MO. And fifthly, Helen was also menstruating when Weird. they found her. Right? It's not just the strangest, like... Coincidence. Yeah. Or like, I mean, how would he have known exactly. that? Exactly. Weird, right? It's not like you run around, like, telling know. people you just met. I mean, I do, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not necessarily... Also, like, it's not like you can really find a way to, like, weave that into your conversation and yeah. get a direct answer from someone like he couldn't have directed that exactly. information out of it's her it's just a weird way and especially in the 60s i don't think it was as like yeah commonly spoken about as it is nowadays no like women uh, didn't even pee or fart or anything right right, right. god forbid god forbid um a, a period <laughs> that's just that's that's lore. Oh, lord no 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 <sighs> shivers uh what was my name again um surfer red surfer <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, the Red Surfer's reporting on... That's uh, me. Quite a tidal wave. <laughs> so, again, Helen was also menstruating. So, although the murderer had strewn sanitary napkins about with the others, he had tucked one under Helen's armpits. Huh. Is that strange? I don't know what that means. I mean, it probably means nothing. It probably... Maybe, maybe, like, he was, like damn you're sweaty like let me just throw something just, in like, there you're a little moist i don't know should i start doing that with you when you get sweaty now maybe just, like, that actually might throw a pad under your problems. armpit a pit pad a pit pad so question do yeah. we oh he, well never mind they were strangled i was gonna say maybe if it was like a really bloody death then like it was just like blood no. on a different part of her body placed there but no I, i'm trying to think of like because it's so bananas yeah and they all had like pads with them or like sanitary napkins with them so weird okay yeah it's really weird um it's really weird so there was a difference though between the bodies of patricia jemima and helen and that is that the murderer had left a bite mark on helen's body Ooh. so it, arguably if this is the same person he's getting more and more intense yes because also he left a semen stain on her clothing oh. yeah so it's just bad it's just getting worse like so you said. were they all We're sexually escalating. assaulted um, I don't think the first two were just the last. I don't one. even know if they checked or like if in the they, they just, just saw don't semen know. on her on the third woman's and, and the first two. All they said was they were on their period, so I don't know hmm. if that was like weird checked or not. Okay, um, and again, there was no DNA sampling, so no answer's good. I just yeah. Want, yeah. So on the third victim, they actually saw a semen stain, so they knew, but uh-huh. I don't know about the first two. Um, so Jean, Helen's sister, was brought into questioning three days later, and when she went to the police office, she was shown the sketch that had been drawn after Jemima McDonald's case, the portrait artist sketch, um, to which she said that this man was him. Mm. She claims to have never seen the picture before, um, although it was a little strange because it was, like, all over, like, plastered everywhere, the sketch, and it was even at the Barrowland, like, up for people to see so it was wow. a little strange that she'd never seen it before right and then saw and went that's him but maybe she is oblivious like me and just didn't spot maybe. it <clears throat> um anyway so the things she remembered from that night were that at the bar land john h had said he had a sister he mentioned having a, a caravan in irving and he mentioned that he had a cousin who recently hit a hole in one in golf you know what? With that <laughs> amount of information, you could find just about anything. <laughs> I'll just find his MySpace for you. If there's anything Christine can do, <laughs> it's drive in reverse and find anything on earth about a person if you just give her, like, the color of one of their eyes. Like, yeah. I, you, I'm. That is one thing that I'm... What a skill. I mean, I know most especially, especially, quote, girls, like, are very good with, like, internet sleuthing. Yeah. But... You really are like queen of it. Oh, well, I appreciate that because I worked very hard to develop those skills. And then when I got a temp job and was literally placed at a private investigations company, I was like, this is my dream. Your mecca. Yeah. And that, you could tell Christine, I saw someone three years ago who had a blue shirt on that day. <laughs> and I don't remember where in the world it was. Could have been Beijing. Could have been my own house. Oh, and Christine will be like, I'm on it. That was Jude Law. Um, it's always Jude Law. <laughs> what if that was the point of the story is that I'm always just like, I found him. And it's like always Jude Law. <laughs> um, anyway, so with, I that, do have, with that much information, that's you would have That's my found. Achilles heel is that everyone is Jude Law. So it's a little bit uh, of a It's struggle. weird that you can find anyone and yet you only find one person <laughs> ever. 
Yeah. So, so in some ways, I have um, a little bit of a, a hitch there in my plans. But well, one day when you finally get them in your car, you can show them how well you drive in reverse. God, I can't wait. And then, I can and then you'll me. be like tapped out on talent. And I then suppose. no one will prove, will believe me <laughs> that I actually saw him. But it's okay. I'll know in my heart. Um. So anyway, they she tells them like his cousin hit a hole in golf and he has a sister and they're like, okay, that's good news, I guess. She remembers him being around six foot tall, slim with auburn or reddish hair, um, wearing a Reed and Taylor branded suit and having an overlapping tooth. Huh. So Jean has said, quote, he wasn't the Barland type. Many of those who used to go were kind of rough or drunk, but he was nice, very nice, polite, and well-spoken. Uh, sounds like a pillar of the community. Uh, it's certainly. A pillar of that community? Indeed, it does. Uh, in the taxi home with her and Helen, Gene remembers his full name either being John Templeton, John Sempleson, or John Emerson. She said she can't remember, but it sounded like something similar like that. to that. So he apparently, in the taxi, continued to speak about, quote, adulterous women. And uh, to lighten the mood, one of the sisters asked what he got up to for Hogmanay, which is New Year's celebration over there, to which he replied, I don't drink, I pray, which like, woof. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Okay. This um, (laughs) den of iniquity. It's all making a little more sense now. (laughs) Um, And so that is the kind of anecdote that the media latched onto and nicknamed him Bible John because he seemed very virtuous. I didn't know how to tell you that at the beginning without explaining the whole story. Okay. Well. I was wrong. Yeah. It well, matter what I thought. It we, was not that. We usually are. So it's okay. Uh, Bible John. I, this whole time I've been hearing the name John didn't even click. It was Bible John. Yeah, that's him. There he is. Well. That's okay. That's I like, okay. I like when I can make it click. You know what I mean? You know what's fun is like it was a really easy switch to flick on and I just didn't even. But it, I like doing it where you, where I get to like be the one who watches it happen. It's you know? shocking how shocked I am. <laughs> it's is really the thing. Oh, Bible John. Uh, they then began to talk about foster children. John said they were all right. <laughs> Great. So-so. They're all right. Come see, come saw. <laughs> Which is, uh, I guess, John's uh, biblical opinion. And he cited Moses as an example. Uh, you know, Moses. Is this our fourth fucking Moses? <gasps> You're right. Holy what is crap. going on? That's really weird. Is there a Nelly in this? There's I'm not. Mind. I don't think so. There's okay. a Jemima, though. That's pretty good. A George Jemima? There is a George. That was uh, Helen's husband's name, remember? Oh, shit. Yeah. We really need to find that Nelly. Yeah, we got to find her. Um, so, yeah. Uh, he mentioned Moses being found in the reeds as an infant. And so he was a foster child. So he... It's okay to be a foster kid. <laughs> Whatever Moses had Whatever to deal Moses. with, I guess we can also deal with. <laughs> Whatever Moses thought is okay with me. Um, Jean's testimony became the base of the investigation because she had actually interacted with this man and like was mm. in a car with him right before he murdered his her sister. So she had like a very close interaction with him. Whew. Someone who chose to re- remain anonymous um, thought they saw Bible John around 2 a.m. on the night of the murder uh, getting on the bus. He had mud stains on his jacket and a red bite mark on his cheek, uh, which bite marks. shows that maybe they were fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, so contradictory to Jean's description, the manager of the bar described Bible John as dark haired and around five foot eight. So not redheaded. Anymore. Not red and not six foot tall. So it's a little odd because you'd think, well, she spent more time with him. But also this guy yelled at this manager and was like, this is a den of iniquity. So they had an altercation. Mm-hmm. So you'd think he'd remember that one of them would mm. remember that they saw the same guy but right. maybe he got them confused maybe he thought john h and john do you know what i mean like maybe yeah the no no, no. Other i get it. one was yeah, yeah. 
you know, the non-Bible. I finally get it. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm, <caught laughs> I'm glad up. someone gets it. Uh, <laughs> either way, a new portrait was drawn um, by, at the Glasgow School of Art based on Jean's testimony and released to the media. Um, I'll show you a picture real quick. There it is. Look at him. I mean, that's like a real like portrait. That is some. That's that's over the mantle. The next to uh, Captain Geo. Not on my mantle. Oh well. I don't want this fella on my mantle. You know, if he weren't a killer, he looks like a, like a sharp man. Just like a, yeah, exactly. And I think that's why He kind of could get away with getting these women alone. Get away with murder. Literally, yes, correct. Yes, I gotcha. Um, so on top of this, police went to golf clubs to see if they could uh, get information about anyone's cousin who got a hole in one recently thought you fucking meant that they walked up to a thing of golf clubs like golf clubs like the club uh-huh are what? you i'm i'm i said I'm, they went to some golf courses no you said golf clubs oh i did oh yeah. well then that's my bad i meant but golf then i course. thought maybe in scotland they call them like clubhouses well, like country club but when you said it i thought they literally all tried to interview they a fucking bag of clubs club. and i was like i immediately don't get it again <laughs> no i'm so sorry that's my bad uh they walked up to a golf course they didn't walk up to it i mean i guess club they, houses I they think walked up to golf courses i meant golf course and i my dumb ass just said golf maybe club. you said it and i heard club who knows they'll play it back whoever's listening knows except we don't someone else is like i'm skipping 15 seconds yeah. this is so stupid this is really dumb um you're you would be correct in that assessment so they went to these, oh, I did write golf clubs. Just kidding. <laughs> but yes, a golf club, like a country club. I understand now. Golf yes. course. Mm-hmm. They asked a bunch of golf clubs what they had seen. Okay, Jesus. That's how it came across. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I did write golf clubs. <laughs> and then the golf club said. I was like doing this at like three in the morning. I'm so sorry. Um, So, <laughs> yikes. So they went to these golf courses to see like, hey, did anyone get a hole in one? And do they have a cousin? Um. So then they went to the dentist to see if anyone knew about this overlapping tooth fella. Uh, then they went to churches to see if anyone knew Bible John because he was clearly very religious. Sure. Uh, then they literally had a group of police officers known as the Bible John Dancing Squad. Dancing Squad. Who went out to the Barland pretending to be people oh. just wanting to have a good night out but were actually undercover to see if they could find wow they actually did a lot with very little information well that's done that's what i'm thinking right well I, done. I was very impressed by all this they even had an art tutor like create a beautiful oil portrait holy shit um so then they said we would go for the months ugh, for months we went to all the clubs not the golf clubs club clubs <laughs> i see we would go to the bar land where bible john had picked up his victims we all t- also went to the majestic the deniston palais palais oh god the plaza we talked to hundreds but we never saw him um so they tried didn't work unfortunately they also had tip-offs from people who had seen the sketch on tv and that led to five thousand different suspects but none of them all did oh my god uh, Jean then had to attend 300 police lineups or what they call over there identity parades, which is a lot more so much exciting. More fun. Festive. Yes. Uh, which sounds fucking nightmarish. She had to go to 300 of them. <gasps> and oh every God. time thinking maybe I'll see that man who murdered my sister it must just be so fucking exhausting. Jeez. They took 50,000 statements on the case. And whenever a man who looked like he could have been Bible John was cleared, um, according to another article in the Scotsman, the police gave them a card that said, I am not Bible John. 
<laughs> so they got a special card just in case. Someone has that and is selling it on eBay. Can you imagine? I would have purchased that, actually. Yeah. If anyone has that, I'd put that up on my mantle. Because it's real. also true if we have it. If it is correct. I am also not Bible John. I deserve a card that says it. So that says yeah. so. <laughs> um, so everybody got a special business card, basically. I guess so you could go to the club and be like, no, no, no. You can come home with me. I promise. I swear. This is police. This is official. Uh, this is officially licensed. Yes. There's wax seal on the back. It's cl- it's official. Um, however, there wasn't much evidence like or there's not much information explaining what they did to even protect the women. It was more just like here, young men, we don't want people thinking you're a murderer. So here's a card to mm. go pick up the pick up the chicks. But gotcha. you know, at the same time, like, I don't know what the hell they were doing to actually protect women at this point but whatever um internationally acclaimed dutch clairvoyant i don't know if you know about this guy's name is gerard croise i don't know how to pronounce i sure would love to know croise i have no idea um he helped out as a quote gesture of goodwill uh according to the daily record when they interviewed um a former detective he remembered gerard croise having stayed in the murder investigation suite for about two days then asking for a pair of helen's underwear because he said it would help him I bet, it, I bet it would. the mystery. Ugh. So creepy. He then stood on the underwear and declared... I'm sorry. It's just, it's just, Did you, was that a typo? No. It's what happened. He really. stood on the underwear yeah, and just, declared <laughs> bankruptcy. Without, I declare <laughs> bankruptcy. Okay. He stood on a pair of Helen's underwear. I'm not even making this shit up. And declared there would be another murder committed by Bible John near Sterling. That's the ultimate prophet right there. Yeah, well, my next bullet is Quasi, I don't know how to pronounce his name, I'm probably doing it terribly, is widely known as a fraud. Is he? Yeah, and according Aww. to Wikipedia, a Dutch parapsychologist, psychometrist, and psychic who is often asked to help police detectives trace missing persons, though authenticated successes were few and compared against the failures, his success rate was ruled no better than chance. So he would just kind of like stand on people's underwear and yell, I guess. Of course. Which like, I mean, I could probably do that, but okay. He said that Bible John lived in Govan, I don't know, I think that's how you say it, near Glasgow, and gave a detailed description of his house, which also I think is really shitty if you're a fucking fraud and now you're like derailing the investigation and right picking random, you're like, oh, it has shingles. It's like, what if it doesn't? And now you're just leading them to the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. It's like an amateur getting in the way of a sting. Yes. Of a real operation. In 1996, because of DNA advancements, uh, the police finally had a key suspect. They thought Bible John might have been an army officer named John McGinnis, who had originally been questioned, uh, but wasn't identified during one of the identity parades, if you will. Um, he, However, he had died by suicide in 1980, so they couldn't like re-interview him. Um, and unfortunately his family were, was hounded by the press claiming that he was Bible John, even though there was no proof of this. Um, and so John McInnes's sister provided a DNA sample, uh, which came back as, so they, John McInnes's sister provided a DNA sample, which came back as an 80% match with the sample found on Helen's body. And then they exhumed the body of John McInnes and DNA tested him, but it was not a match. Okay. Okay. Long story short, it wasn't this guy. Right. Um, so now this is, we're 27 years later, uh, it's 2010, Jean passes away, and, uh, because the DNA sample found on Helen is no longer usable, the case has been cold ever since. So, wow. even with all that. So, with originally 5,000 suspects, um, there are theories as to who it could be. 
There's a book called Dancing with the Devil written by a former police officer named Paul Harrison who claims that he has evidence that whoever Bible John was, he was definitely a police officer at the time. Golden State Killer wouldn't be the fucking first time. Um, In the book, Harrison claims that Joe Beatty, the detective, had questioned the officer who was Bible John but was then told to drop the investigation. So there's like conspiracy shit there. Um, Harrison states that Jean told him she was sure that Bible John was a police officer and also believes that Helen wasn't the last of Bible John's victims. So if that's true, that's creepy. Uh, Some people believe the murders were the crimes of a famous serial killer named Peter Tobin, who's a Scottish serial killer who's currently serving a life sentence for three murders he committed since 91. Um, In May of 2007, he was found guilty of the rape and murder of a woman named Angelica Cluck. And after this, um, when police were searching his previous property, they found traces of the remains of two other young girls, uh, Vicki Hamilton and Dinah McNichol. And he is linked to multiple cold cases. Um, he does have a link to they they found a link to him in the Bible John murders and launched an operation called Operation Anagram, um, but they didn't find like any real proof. But the 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 theory is supported by the following information: He did live in Glasgow until 1969, um, and according to the Scotsman newspaper, he met his first wife at the Barland. <gasps> Yeah, when she Whoa. was 17, and then he raped and tortured her before she escaped the marriage. Uh, oh. If you see photos of him, it does look quite like the portrait of Bible John, uh-huh. but it's kind of generic-looking dude again, so, uh, you know. He employed multiple pseudonyms in his life, including the name John Semple. Sem- Sempleton, right? Remember? Yeah, she said either Emerson Sempleton or Templeton. Templeton. John Semple. Uh, Peter Tobin's ex-wives have gone on to say he would be very angry when they were on their periods. Aha. Mm-hmm. But still, how did he know that? So that's an interesting theory that I also heard, which could be that he had been sexually assaulting women. And then when he found out that any of them were on their period, maybe he was enraged then and killed he would them. Kill them. Yeah. So the goal wasn't always to kill them. That's at least less- a theory which... I and then he hit a triple whammy and all of them had were well like periods? maybe he was raping other women and they just didn't come forward oh and so okay. when they were on their period he maybe wow. snapped that was one theory that i thought was actually very interesting because it's like that would explain why he wouldn't know that right you know if so it happened after the fact that he, yeah wow okay so that's one theory that that's i thought awful. was very interesting and very horrific um he was also known for keeping souvenirs and uh he even kept one of his victims' purse, so it could be that. He was also obsessed with religion, and he bragged in jail that he had murdered 48 people, but that's also a thing people do sometimes oh. to just look, bit bigger. look cool, I guess, in, in jail. Um, so although the Barland murders were in 68 and 69, and Angelica Cluck went missing in 91, uh, at that point... Peter Tobin would have been in his 60s. And so Detective Joe Beatty is like, I don't think this man would have started murdering people in his 60s. Mm. Like he probably had victims before that. So they could have been his victims. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that yeah. makes sense. Um, okay. Woo. So Angelica's body was discovered a year previously under the floorboards of St. Patrick's Roman Catholic Church in uh, Glasgow, not far from where Helen was discovered in 1969. Um, now, the only thing that like throws a wrench into this theory is that he got married on August 6th, 
August 6th in Brighton in England and stayed there until August 20th with his now ex-wife. Um, and that was the period that the murder would have taken place. So he would have had to oh, be in okay. Scotland and England at the same time. So it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up uh, because Jemima was murdered on the 16th and he apparently didn't come back until the 20th. So uh, Bible John targeted three women in their 20s and 30s, whereas Tobin targeted teenagers, typically young women. Vicky was 15. And although Angelica was 23, she looked much younger. So people think he just his victimology, like his type was a lot younger. Sure. So that doesn't really match. Um, And the murders of Patricia, Jemima and Helen have at this point gone unsolved and no one has been charged as being Bible John. Detective Jackson, who was on the case, has regrets. Uh, He says he can't shake the sense that the investigation was doomed from the start. And although uh, Detective Joe Beattie is, like, typically spoken about with admiration, um, a lot of sources say he was using the case as, like, a publicity, trying to make a name for himself. Um, And that one officer, I guess, says that he knew something and didn't, like, he knew it was another police officer. So that would be real shady. Hushed off. Yeah. So, I don't know. The Barland is still an operating music hall. Uh, they've hosted the likes of David Bowie, U2, Snow Patrol, and a band called The Stranglers, which ah, not very tasteful. Uh, in a 97 book called Bible John Hunt for a Killer, written by two journalists from the Scottish Sunday Mail, there is a postscript with some words from Helen Puttick's son, David, who was 28 years old when the book came out in 1997. He never really knew his mother. Um, and has said, quote, I wanted the murderer to go through the same pain mom did. The killer was on the loose and I was doing nothing about it. I find that hard to cope with. He didn't exist. I can't let her memory go. Hmm. And that's the story of Bible John. <clears throat> wow. I've heard of Bible John and obviously did not know any of that. But yeah. like, yeah, wow. I can't believe he never got found. Isn't that horrifying? I thought it was kind of like such a classic story that had an ending to it i know because he has a name and you'd think like oh bible john he must have been identified but no right that's why i was that's the first kind of generic drawing of him and then they made this one of him when uh gene said he had red hair it's a shame he's kind of good looking yeah he is he's a you know that's i guess the ted bundy complex right there white dude i would say um yeah so that's that on that on that Mm. end of story Thank you for listening to me talk. Yeah, I think that was a pretty action-packed episode. It was really wild, huh? Yeah, first good way to start off uh, Halloween, I suppose. Yes, spooky season is upon us. Spooky season, and my next one is very spooky too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we still have a whole other one we're gonna record right now. Lord alive, a whole other episode where people can be dazzled by my shoes. Dazzled by your hat and your shoes. Give them the old razzle and the dazzle. You know, I just I'm so glad those stupid fish flops are not involved anymore. Oh, yeah. The second that I found these, I was like, the fish flops. You literally said you're... Fi- I said, Finn and Gil, you're fired. That's right. Uh, and on that note, I will say uh, goodbye <laughs> and good luck. You can follow us on and that's why I drink.com and our social media are ATWWD. Nope. ATWWD podcast. And that's why we drink. Drink. <laughs> oh, my God. We're in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. 
For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.